Cool. So we are recording. Um, this is, I, don't, I can't remember the number of podcasts this is now. It's quite a few. Um, as always, welcome. Firstly, we are going to introduce where you can find us and where you can find more information about what we do and who we are and uh, get in contact if you so please. So firstly, you, for base training, you can head over to the website www.base.training. There is no .co.uk or .com on the end of that. It's just www.base.training. And on there, you can find out about us as coaches. You can find out what we do. We've also got a load of blogs and things like that on there that you can read through and a load of information um, about how to get started. <clears throat> um, in terms of us individually, you can find myself um, on email, lee at base.training. You can also find me on Instagram, LinkedIn, and Facebook at Lee Carter UK. Um, and with me today is Stefan. Will is away. Um, Stefan, where can everyone find you? Yeah, so you can hit me up on email, stefan at base.training, uh, Instagram at coach underscore stefan underscore window, LinkedIn, stefan window msc, and Facebook, Stefan Window Strength and Movement Coach. Excellent stuff. So if you're a listener, you know what to do. Head over to those Instagram pages, follow, comment, um, head over to the website, read the blogs, fill out a get in touch form, um, or just drop us an email for some more information. We're happy to get uh, happy to help you out. So today's topic is about recovery strategies, and we asked the question. Should they even be considered in a program for health? Or is it just recovery from unexpected spikes in volume? So, Stefan, yeah. <laughs> what, what do you think? Should they be considered in a health program? Um, so, I think they should always be in the back of your mind as a consideration. Um, like, they should always kind of be there just like an afterthought but that's all they should really be is an afterthought for me um if you're programming for health there's no reason you should be um having to use all these multi like different recovery strategies uh straight after your session every session um you should be that's where that's kind of an indication to me that you're overtraining one um or that your your programming is inadequate for yourself um and obviously you can check back we did some podcasts and basic programming for beginners intermediate advanced and masters um listen to those and base your programming off of that advice um so if you're if you're feeling sore all the time after you train then you're probably programming for a level that's not adequate for your own ability yep <laughs> podcast <over. laughs> I would agree. Um, the only people that I would deem it necessary for on a regular basis is those in the advanced uh, category of client. Um, those are the, those clients that can dig a little bit deeper into their central nervous system um, and do need to consider recovery a little bit more um, than the, the other person. But then we have to think that if you're an advanced client, then you're on the border between health and performance. And most likely, if your training protocols are advanced, 
then the goal of that client is an advanced goal and it's a most likely a performance related goal whether that be a marathon or a fitness competition or a rugby game whatever it is that person's goals are going to require an advanced level of programming and uh, some more complex comprehensive recovery strategies if you're an intermediate then we're well in the health uh, game at that point it is about most likely it is about keeping you healthy again you can be an intermediate and still have a performance goal um, but your physiology doesn't allow you to elicit the response that needs a recovery protocol in place um, because one if you can't elicit the response doing a recovery protocol for a response you can't elicit is just a waste of time and potentially a waste of money and there are plenty of recovery protocols out there that require you to spend a fair bit of money on equipment um, <laughs> Compex being one of them electro stimulation uh, what are they 100 200 pounds and just make your muscles fire <laughs> and yeah for, for people that can't recover from an, uh, a dose of exercise that they can't even express which is uh, interesting in terms of <clears throat> types of recovery strategies let's say we've got a client that they are they're, they're health based and lifestyle based but they're on the edge of the advanced client they've got all the skills required to be an advanced level client but they just haven't got a performance goal what recovery strategies have you come across out there I suppose in the professional world as well um, of elite sport and for just the everyday client Oh, okay. Um, so, starting off in elite sport, um, when I was working uh, in professional rugby, um, the the classic, the the infamous one that we had available was an ice bar. Um, <laughs> uh, that was that was a that was a fun one to do. Um, so, every Tuesday um, was there significant spike in intensity in training. Uh, so, obviously, everyone knows the theory behind ice baths and the reason for them um, but were they ne necessary for that that environment I'm not sure they were I'm not sure what the actual impact of them was in terms of the benefit that they they had on the players like we'd still have the boys would have uh, a day off on the Wednesday and then they'd come back to training on Thursday and it'd be the, the intensity would be quite high uh, still but the volume of the training would be significantly lower compared to the Monday Tuesday um, and even with doing ice baths and they would all have their their high protein high high carb meals afterwards as well um, and protein shakes as well uh, was another one that everyone would have they would all be set up ready for them to go as soon as they come in from training so it'd be protein shake ice bath and then meal those would be like the, the combo um, and yeah I'm not sure what the impact actually was to be honest a lot of players would come back on the Thursday after having that day off, feeling fresh, ready to go, whereas some of the players would still come in quite sore and quite stiff from from the Tuesday, because um, this was like the heavy contact day as well. It's where they get all their training, training, uh, sorry, their tackling practice in, uh, scrummaging practice, um, line out practice, mauling practice, rucking practice. So all like the heavy contact stuff was done on the Tuesday. Um, so yeah, some boys come in feeling fresh, and some boys would come in still feeling like quite sore and stiff. So um, I'm I'm 
jury's out on that one for me. Um, I'm not sure what the positive impact of doing those interventions was, if you still got people coming in a little bit stiff and sore. Uh, everyone's done the same recovery protocol, but you've got different responses and different people. So is that because those boys have then actually had a day off and they're feeling better and they're just a bit more robust and they can recover quicker physiologically? Um, and the other people may need an extra day or two just to recover from that soreness. Um, so that yeah, that's what we that's what we did in professional rugby. But yeah, I'm I'm still undecided on whether or not the impact of that is actually valid, and whether or not it works. Um, and then recovery for health. Um, to be honest, like my clients aren't really that advanced. I don't really have too many clients with advanced goals so it's never really uh, a consideration for me in my programming um, but the one thing I will always program is light aerobic exercise um, light aerobic exercise has been shown to reduce the effect of metabolites by actually escorting those metabolites from the localized tissue back into the liver to be processed detoxified and sent back out into your tissues to, um, with oxygenated blood to assist recovery and growth and stimulation and repair of muscle tissue. So um, that's one thing I'll always, always program, regardless of your level. It will always be some form of a light aerobic work. Um, sometimes that can be in the form, some people really like yoga. Um, whilst in terms of like physiology-wise for me and in relation to goals, it can be counterintuitive. Uh, so if someone wants to get stronger, but then you're you're constantly trying to force the range of motion in particular positions by doing yoga, um, that's not going to allow joint stability to improve strength. So in terms, you have to look at what day of the week they want to do it. But some people really enjoy that deep breathing exercise, getting that oxygen into the system. Um, and if that works for that person and they enjoy it, then I'm all for that as well. So if someone says to me, oh, yeah, I've got, I want to do yoga this week, I'm like, fantastic go to yoga have a good time knock yourself out like if that if they feel that that's going to allow them to mentally recover as well then i'm all for it what yeah. about yourself so i've come across a few in the past things like uh, massage um although I, I i do believe that massage now even though it, it purports to get blood circulating i would rather yeah. someone like you said go out for a light walk keeping the intensity low enough so that it's recover active recovery in quote marks um needs to be at an intensity that is low enough not to stimulate change if that makes sense yeah. so, uh, but so i, I kind of moved away from massage um but then moved back to it for people that say they feel better as in yeah. like they feel more relaxed they sleep better um they get there's the idea of compassionate touch um, so massage from a rehab perspective, uh, the, there's a lot of research going into saying now that it, it's not having the effect when people like dig an elbow into your, the sore bit. It's, it's not having the effect like submyofascial release that is that they're claiming it does, and it's more about compassionate touch, um, stress relieving, um, allowing you just to lay down and not do anything for an hour. Like it's it's a it's an it's an it's an organised nap, in other words, <laughs> um, and that kind of brings me on to uh, my next point, which is sleep. Is if someone is training enough or they've received a spike in volume, 
that they need recovery, then sleep is the first one I go to. It's like, okay, how much a client comes to me and says, oh, I've, I've, I got dragged into a, a, a tough mudder race with my friends, which is awesome. Yep, use your fitness, definitely. Um, and now they're, that's on top of their normal training. And they told me three or four days later and you start to see a decline in their training. And it's like, okay, well, are you getting enough sleep? And they say, oh, well, no, um, my kids have been up or I've just been a bit stressed out lately. Again, all of this, um, that, that tough mudder, although we perceive it as fun, it is added stress to the system and that added stress needs to be accounted for. And when I use sleep, we get all of the benefits of sleep that include recovery and regeneration, digestion, like essentially just healing, it is the first pillar of any recovery process, um, in my belief, in, in my experience as well. It kind of takes me to basic lifestyle guidelines. So are they drinking enough water? Are they eating enough, as you kind of alluded to? Um, and <clears throat> what was the other one? Are they managing stress? Are they in a rhythm? Are they in? Are they being consistent? Um, all of that goes into the recovery plan for a beginner to an uh, intermediate client and the advanced level client. Um, <clears throat> and then things like cold water immersion, uh, ice baths, that sort of thing, for more for the the, the advanced level client. For the intermediate and the beginner though I would argue that we even need to be having that conversation with someone because yeah. if, if they're if they're trained for health then they shouldn't be getting to a point where they need to be thinking do I need to do cold water but or cold ice baths do I need to take a protein shake do I need to do extra stretching and mobility um, yeah like <laughs> I th you're on if you're a coach listening to this you're on the wrong path if your clients that have come to you for body composition and health goals are saying this to you right i think you're there, there's a misalignment going on somewhere <laughs> and you need to have a conversation about it because the training shouldn't be intense enough that they need to come or that they come in and then the next day they can't train like that's that is that's it's going against the functional requirement for that client. So if a client needs to work every day and they need to be functioning and they need to run about with their kids, then if they've got, like I have today, if they've got doms in their quads, <laughs> in their glutes, so that they can't walk upstairs without there being pain. <laughs> um, <laughs> thanks, Michael Ban. Uh, then there, there's a problem because um, they can't do the things that they need to do to be able to live a life and the, the alignment between living for fitness or living through it is is out of whack and out of sync what's your thoughts on that yeah no i completely agree with you uh it's actually just reminded me of a, a conversation i was listening to on, a, on another podcast um man named faras sahabi uh okay. canadian snc coach he's the uh the snc coach of george st pierre uh, a great UFC mixed martial arts fighter um, and he was talking about something called a, a flow state um, I'm sure you've probably come across that Lee yep. um, and being in a flow state um, is being in that perfect rhythm 
of like going day to day and being able to manage workload, manage stress, manage daily life. Like you might have experienced it before if you're listening, where every day you just wake up, you feel good and you just can't wait to kind of attack the day. And then you get some days where you just wake up and you just hate the world and you just feel like crap. Um, so that, that's the terms. We've got the one hand where we're in that flow state and the other one we are outside of that, that flow state. Um, and this is what the Russian wrestling team did so well back in the uh, in the Cold War era uh, in the Olympics. It, all their training was about accumulative volume. They were able to train day in, day out for six, six hours a day at low intensity. And then coming into competition phase, they were six weeks, they would start to go harder and harder and harder. And that baseline of volume that they'd built up over those you know, six months previously allowed them to then do that and still not be able to go in day in, day out, go hard and be okay and not need to take time out to recover. They can just go and go and go. Uh, so they were in a flow state. Uh, and the reason that came about was because of that cumulative volume day in, day out. So if you're training in the gym and let's do two avatars. So you've got one on the one hand, this guy trains three days a week super intense they've got uh five pull-ups at half body weight they're doing deadlifts uh like five by three um so they're going super heavy on that they're doing back squat five by three um they're doing all these heavy movements uh the next day their central nervous system is going to be absolutely smashed they're going to be hanging out <laughs> their body is just not going to allow them to elicit that same response the next day it's going to be in that fatigue if we talk about the fitness fatigue theory they're going to be in that fatigue state before they can super compensate in the day and then actually be able to replicate their performance from that first day um whereas we've got client number two he's not going anywhere near as heavy he's going for three by ten on back squat on deadlift wherever it is um Whilst the amount, like the load lifted, is less per rep, his accumulative volume of load lifted, being able to do it day in day out because he's not getting as fatigued means that by the end of the week he's already lifted two, three hundred kilos more over the week than guy number one over here, and he hasn't had to take a day off to recover, and he's feeling good, he's feeling great, his homeostasis is balanced, his all his recovery mechanisms are working, his body's becoming efficient and being able to do this day in, day out. Um, he's going to be feeling good all the time compared to this guy who has to keep stopping recovering. He's having to take all these supplements. He's taking protein shakes. He's having to throw himself into an ice bath or a, or a cryotherapy session or going for deep tissue massage. Um, he's having to do all these things and he's spending loads more money on these things than guy number two over here who's just loving life, he's feeling great, he's feeling good mentally and physically. Um, and I just think that's a really interesting idea. And I would argue that that's where everyone should be. If you're doing exercise and you're hating it, and you're having to grind it out day in, day out, and you're smashing yourself in the next... And the reason uh, you're not looking forward to going to the gym because the reason is you're feeling... You know you're going to feel rubbish the mm -hmm. next day and you're going to struggle to climb stairs. Um, then you're probably not doing the right program for you you're not pitching that at the right suitability for your your own um efficacy there you go um, uh, <laughs> try and sound intelligent yeah. um, it's not working <laughs> <laughs> quit um, but like 
although we've, we've said this in previous conversations as well, like people should be exposed to that intensity sometimes, but it, and like you can taper into specific intensification blocks. Um, I do feel like your body needs to be exposed to that, otherwise it won't know how to get there and go there and won't know what mechanisms to utilize to get get you into that place. Um, but it shouldn't be day in, day out. Your body just can't tolerate it. We're not designed to do it. No. We're not designed to be at high intensity and high volume all the time. No. Um, we're, just, we're not that robust exactly. unless you have years and years of experience in building yourself to that point. Exactly, and it's... I'm glad you mentioned homeostasis there um, and the accumulation of volume is that once you've accumulated enough volume that allows you to go hard and it kind of sits into that idea of the 10,000 hour rule um, yeah. that if you've accumulated 10,000 hours of let's say squatting or squatting patterns and squatting movements then when it comes to uh, doing a squat based movement pattern really hard and really fast you have the ability to recover from it and you have the have the ability to express it um, it's like if Bill Gates for instance accumulated 10,000 hours before he released Microsoft but that Microsoft is the in the expression in the intense piece of work if that makes sense yeah but the 10,000 hours is all the work you have to do to be able to do that firstly and if you look at any elite performers they've in any world they've accumulated 10,000 hours plus that's allowed them that's the reason they are where they are um, and then when it comes to homeostasis I've, I've recently been introduced to the idea of allostasis so homeostasis mm. is balance in your system your internal systems um, and allostasis is any excursion away from that homeostatic position if that makes sense okay. but by a cell so and within allostasis let's say you make one excursion you've got different levels at which you can uh, excur to is that is that, <laughs> is that, is that how you, you say it to. <laughs> um, and and not have a response so you can move out of allostasis back again and not have a response You've again got an, uh, a kind of mid-level where you can move to and you get a response from it. That's where we train people. So we move to that, train people. Well, then we have an outer area where if you move to it or past it, you are now risking illness and death. Okay. And this idea of anastatic load is... And that's just, that's just for one cell, picture that. Anastatic load is the whole system combined. So that takes into account previous medical history. So if you've had surgeries, uh, for me, I've had knee surgery like what six, seven years ago now. That is taken into account because that is a massive excursion from homeostasis, huge interruption to your body system, um, and that takes a long, long time to recover from, like years, not a couple of weeks, years to recover from fully. Um, and I would say that I am probably with my knee surgery I had a, a complete LCL reconstruction so lateral collateral ligament reconstruction I'm probably 95% there I reckon like I don't get pain anymore um, 
but there, it feels like there's just something missing from it potentially mm. i don't know it's, it's hard to measure um but you've also got things like uh medications that you're on stress excuse me um how many if you're a female how many children you've had um all of this uh, all of this uh all of these excursions from homeostasis these allostatic excursions are totaled up into an allostatic load and that is when you reach your threshold we then if you've done it correctly you can push your maximum further and further out if that makes sense your ability to res- uh, recover from those excursions is increased if you don't do it right and you try and jump phases or go too fast too hard or um, or too often then we start to see a problem and you're starting to exceed your limits mm-hmm. that makes sense and I think like from a more scientific that's probably more for coaches that point but clients need to take that they're listening just uh, those that aren't coaches need to take that into account is that everything that you do throughout the day from the moment you wake up is stress on the system and you have to take into account everything that you do so if you've had a stressful day at work like going to the gym and trying to smash yourself are two combinations of allostasis that you might not be able to handle it might be just without your, just out of your threshold and be enough to make you ill um, we were talking before this about like personally when I was 25 I've, I could train twice a day which I was five, six days a week and go and do go like drinking or uh, be really stressed work 15 hours a day which is regularly happening um, and still be able to train and recover and grow from it but now um, like a couple of weeks ago I went to uh, I went walking in Wales felt absolutely fine during it absolutely fine afterwards the following week though I w- tried to go back into training as normal and I tweaked my back like I hurt my <laughs> knee I got ill <laughs> I couldn't sleep and that is where I noticed it um, so now I've adapted when I go walking to take a couple of days off or completely lower my volume um, of training to get back into it and I feel it's so much different uh, and I think a lot of people are quite numb to that they don't understand or they don't recognize that if they pick up an illness after they've done a tough mudder that they got dragged into they're like oh picked it off at some picked it up off at picked it up off of someone at work you're like oh yes maybe that's where you might have got the germs from but your immune system was lowered because of that spike in volume yeah i think that's where a client needs to think about recovery it's more about i suppose more about prevention than it is recovery at that point that's probably where the recovery conversation should be happening yeah for sure it's definitely yeah like and this all comes down to the planning and preparation doesn't it it's like if even if it is a last minute thing uh, you need to look at your your training volume in the week ahead and you need to think how important is it that i try and match last week's loading um if you're training for health i'd argue it's not that important as long as you're exposing yourself to to load um then that's absolutely fine uh but if yeah, unless you're training, you know, for a powerlifting competition or something where the load is incredibly important, um, then 
you've also got to have a conversation with yourself and say, do I really need to go to that tough mudder? Do I do I need that in my life, or is it more important that I have this powerlifting competition? So uh, I feel like serious self introspection is required. Mm. Um, you've got to be able to have those conversations with yourself, and if you if you can't, and find a coach you can have those conversations with, someone that can help point out the importance of certain things um, and where you can maybe back off in some other places if that is necessary. But for the majority and for the most part, if you're training for health, you can drop 10 kilos on your back squat. It's absolutely fine. Or you can go slightly higher volume. You can even have a deload week if you need to. Um, yeah, so it just comes down, comes down to being smart with your programming. It's interesting. Um, and just trying to... Sorry, carry on, mate. Yeah, so it's... It's interesting that you mentioned about a deload week because like if let's let's use that example of someone they're three times a week, they're kind of an intermediate level client, they're training relatively hard, they've got a family, they've got a job, and they've been dragged into like a lot of their life is revolved around fitness and their friends all trying to get healthy and things, and they get dragged into this tough mudder last last minute because a space comes up. <coughs> and then the next week they drop their volume in training. They think about it and go, yeah, they drop their volume in training. Actually, you're probably maintaining homeostasis. You're maintaining probably some balance in the level of volume because you've accounted for it through doing the Tough Mudder. And that carries over into your training. So if when people think about deload weeks, it's like, oh, I'm losing out. Or we don't even have to call it a deload week. When someone lowers their volume in training to account for a sudden spike of volume they're like oh i'm losing out because i'm not training the same actually you probably are because the the increase in volume to the slight decrease in volume has now just leveled you out again yeah. it's, it's maintaining that balance that's going to allow you to continue to train the way you in quote marks want to the weeks after it's just accommodating that slight spike in volume for just a couple of days enough to allow you to adapt to it and grow from it and then recover from it if you don't do those few things and you just try and layer the same amount of volume on top of it that's where the problem happens um, that's what happened to me essentially I tried to go back in the same level of volume after receiving a massive spike and then not accounting for it the next week that's a massive learning lesson for me, actually. Um, or massive learning for me. And it's fine to happen once in a while. You just have to learn from it. Um, and like you said, have that conversation with yourself. I, For me, I had it with my coach to say, okay, actually, after these walking weekends, I need to drop my volume a little bit to accommodate that. It was like, yeah, that's fine. Um, but like I said, if, if you're going, if you're having that conversation, then then you are more of an intermediate to an advanced client. Um, and I think that most recovery for health clients needs to be based around the preventative measures they're putting in place through basic lifestyle guideline adherence. Um, if you're doing that right, then you probably don't need to be thinking about recovery. Um, you just think about being healthy. That's it. That is your recovery prevention is secure and all that <laughs> exactly exactly um that's it isn't it like exactly what you said um so like as long as you are learning from those experiences and we're not still making those same mistakes um that that's a big one for me as well 
because we don't we don't fail. It's our first attempt in learning the <laughs> <laughs> research. Stefan Winder, twenty nineteen. That's out. I think one of the things we actually haven't talked about, and it's we I think it was a good thing, is the individualization required. <clears throat> is that yeah. like you mentioned earlier when you gave the example of professional rugby players, like some would recover some wouldn't like there needs to be a level of individualization in there um again mostly through your lifestyle guidelines if you're a beginner to an advanced um, intermediate but when you get to the advanced level then like if you're not individualized then there's something going wrong um i would argue that for the basic as well but it's less less um What's the word? Less important, I suppose. You can get away with it a little bit more um, as a complete beginner and an advanced level client to do little bits here and there. Um, yeah. But it's the load and volume that needs to be managed, and that's the tricky part, and that's where a coach comes in. But going back to that individualization idea, is that when you're considering recovery strategies or preventative recovery strategies, I'm going to call it future recovery. <laughs> I've, renamed, I've renamed it future recovery um, you need to have a level of individualization so you need to understand how much you need to sleep how much you need to eat um, how much water you need to drink how to manage stress um, which is going to be another podcast um, all of these basic lifestyle guidelines that we've talked about and if you're not sure about those we actually did a podcast on it um, I think it was one maybe before this um, or one before that I can't quite remember but it's on there so go and have a listen to that about basic lifestyle guidelines um, I think we've, we've kind of hit the nail on the head there uh, the main points being is individualization is key if you're a beginner intermediate Virgin along advanced or even advanced level client that's looking for health that being the key differentiator then recovery strategies aren't that important um, it's more about prevention and making sure that your lifestyle guidelines are in place if you are a performance client and you have a performance goal then you have to have that conversation again with yourself or with someone else to work out which ones are needed firstly because you don't want to be going wasting money on cryotherapy and massage and all these superfoods and complex machines and all this stuff. If, <laughs> if it doesn't work for you, you're just going to be um, throwing money up down the drain, basically. Um, yeah, have you got anything to add to that? No, no, I think you've run that off quite nicely, actually. Um, yeah, um, 100% if we're full health should be looking more at the lifestyle guidelines and preventative measures rather than recovery measures and uh, yeah if you're more that advanced performance client then um, having making sure those factors are in place first same as health they should always be the priority and then if we're still struggling looking at the individualization of that and what can we be doing to help you get to homeostasis back and where you need to be um, rather than having to just throw money at things and be like, someone take me, help me, please. <laughs> throwing money left, right and centre. Um, there's better things you can be doing than just trying to throw money at a problem. Exactly that. Um, so, if you've enjoyed that podcast, 
we're going to leave it there for today. Head on to podcast, the app, give us a five-star rating or whatever platform you're listening to us on this. Leave a nice comment. Um, it really does help us grow the podcast and get the information out there. You can contact us through email, through LinkedIn, through Instagram, through websites. Um, and if you've got all the way to the end of the podcast, you would have already done that. So, um, and that, those are at the end, at the start of the podcast. Um, I think that is it. Will will be with us next time. I'm sure you'll miss him. Um, but for now, we needed him to do the eloquent wrap up. That's we, what we needed. Yeah. That's what we missed today. <laughs> we, usually, he usually drops a bomb, and that's one to finish on, isn't it? Um, yeah. But for now, we will leave it there and uh, see you all next time. Peace out. <laughs>